A very good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us in our online Sunday worship. Finally, we are here in Shekinah Hall doing our recording for our services. And, you know, when I entered the, the church this morning, I, I, I really miss the church more. And it's quiet, but I know in God's timing, we will be gathered here worshiping together, studying God's word together. And, you know, I'm excited when the time would come. Um, you know, a few days ago, my wife was folding our clothes and she was watching a show regarding the prison and the condition of the inmates that have been locked inside. And as I was watching this particular show, um, I remember some of my classmates who were once convicted and served their time. So as I remembered them, I texted them and I asked them what was running in their mind while they were in prison. And one of them replied this, he said, I was in the lowest moment of my life and living in a total darkness, almost give up hope and life. When, when he, he opened himself up to me, and of course in the, the following messages, when he found Christ, when he received Jesus as, as his Lord and Savior, it changed his perspective. But the early start of his life, when he was in prison, he said, you know, there's hopelessness. There's no more purpose to live. You know, most of us will never be in prison, and hopefully not in the future. But do you know that we can live a life as if we are locked inside a prison? Some of us can be in prison with the circumstances and the challenges that we face in our life. Some might have lost a job, or we're unsure if we have a job tomorrow. It can be imprisoned that we runs in our mind. Some are emotionally imprisoned by their loneliness, fear, and brokenness. Some are mentally drained by the problems they face in their families, in their ministries. Some have been physically exhausted and they just want to run away, but they couldn't run away and it seems like a prison. You know, you don't need to be a prisoner to live like a prisoner, to be in prison. If you've been following our Bible reading, we are now reading the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians was a letter that was written by Paul when he was in prison. And something interesting about this book is this. Paul was in prison, but yet he's the one encouraging people outside who are free to find joy and hope in the Lord. Today, I've entitled this sermon, finding peace and we will be reading from philippians chapter 4 verse 4 to 7 finding peace while we are in the circumstances that we are in so let's read together philippians chapter 4 verse 4 to 7 rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice let your reasonableness be known to everyone the lord it has it has hand do not be anxious about anything but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we gathered here again. Even though we are in different places, we know your spirit will move and it will speak to us. So open our hearts, O oh Lord, to make your word so clear. If any one of us are imprisoned by the challenges that we are faced, Lord, I pray 
but you bring us that joy and that peace that we found in you so that we can be freed, Lord. Salamat po, Panginoon, for your word. May your word, Lord, speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You see, the church of Philippi is close to Paul's heart because he's the one who founded the church. And we can read that in Acts 16. And if you notice in our, in our reading, the language that Paul used as he talked to them is there's a certain intimacy as if he knows the church closely. And that's why he wrote to them. Church traditions say that Paul was writing this letter when he was in prison in Rome. And we read that in Acts 28. And you can read it, the evidence there in, in, this, in the book of Philippians. He was waiting for the verdict, what will happen to him. And one thing unique about this letter, in which many scholars consider that, that this particular letter that he wrote is a friendship letter. And it's unlike any other letter. He was not responding to a particular crisis, but rather he wrote this letter to express his appreciation to the church. Second thing, he wrote this letter so that he can show his affection to them, to show his love to them, that he missed them, and he longs to be with them. And third reason why he wrote this letter is to encourage them as they face trial and hardship while they pursue to live in the, under in the wills of God. And there are a few things that they face, the challenges that they face. They face external challenges, and they face internal challenges. External challenges is this. They face persecution. They face hardship. And this particular persecution is because, um, you know, during the early church, there is a the term called emperor worship. They would consider the emperor of Rome as equal as God. They would consider as God. So if, don't, if you don't recognize him as God, as Lord, as your Savior, then you are going against the Rome Empire. And you know, during the, this stage when they say, Jesus is Lord, when they say that statement, what it meant is this, is this, my allegiance is no longer with the king or the emperor of Rome, but in Jesus Christ. That's why they've been persecuted and they, they've been treated badly. Those are the external challenges they face. Secondly, they also face internal challenges. If you read Philippians, you notice that there is certain disunity happening in the church. There are people with uh, selfish ambition. The reason why they preach and serve is because of their selfish ambition. And it causes conflict. And there are also certain rivalry. And they are also concerned with the missionary that they are supporting, like Paul and Aphroditus. So they have layers of uh, battles that they were facing. And, uh, and, and these layers of challenges that they were facing, and because of this, they began to lose their joy and peace. They became anxious. And that's why in Paul's letter, in the last chapter, he was exhorting to them, encouraging them. And in part of that letter, we read that he says to them in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything. The word anxious means to be troubled with many care. When you have anxiety, you overthink, you overworry. You, 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 you know, there's nothing wrong to worry, but to overworry, there's something wrong because you couldn't sleep, you have no peace in your heart. When you worry, you prepare, you react, you plan. 
But if you over worry, you respond, you just, you just stay there and you are immobile. It's, it's a, you know, the difference between someone who has so much anxiety and worry is a person like, parang may alarm clock ng katabi. Yung alarm clock na yun, every two minutes, nagri-ring, nagri-ring, nagri-ring. Hindi ka makatulog yan. The same thing, a person with so much anxiety and who has so much trouble and cares in his life is someone who has an alarm clock that's ringing beside him every moment. And what would happen to a person with so much anxiety? Proverbs 12, 25a, it says here, Anxiety in a man's heart weights him down. Mabigat. And because of the anxiety in, in a man's heart, what will happen? The joy will be robbed. His joy will be robbed. There will be hopelessness and there is a sense of defeat. You lose your peace and you lose your pace. You're no longer able to move forward. You're just stuck. And at times we act in frustration. I believe this encouragement also ring to our hearts today. Not to be anxious because like the Philippine church, we are also facing layers of adversity, of challenges, battles that will bring anxieties in our life. But how should we begin? How should we respond when things are being shaken in every aspect of our life, maybe personal, our family, our marriages, in our ministry? How should we respond so that anxiety will not take over? Our life. You know, in Paul's writing, few things that we can notice here. He instructed them and us today that in order to find peace while we are in prison of our in the challenges that we face, we need to remember to rap. Rap. Alam yung rap? Yung mag-rap. ka. And this is how, what it means. Remember to rap. R means to rejoice in the Lord. A means to announce your redeemed life, to show who you are as people that have been loved by God. And P is to pray in everything. Rejoice in the Lord. Verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's three things that we can observe in this specific text. The importance of rejoicing. Second, how frequent we should rejoice. Then thirdly, who should be the object and the focus of our rejoicing. The word rejoicing is an action word to describe an expression of gladness or deep joy. You know, if you would, I believe most of us, each time we would go back to the Philippines and meet our family, our relatives, excited tayo. Hindi tayo excited masyado sa Jollibee, but we're more and more excited to see our children. There is a sense of joy of just being with them. Now, if you go to other places, you know, there's a sense of happiness, but being with your family, you know, you, you just you long for them. There's a sense of joy. Parang tuwang-tuwa ka. And you notice how Paul emphasized here. Paul emphasized, we need to rejoice. That's why he said, again, I say rejoice. When certain commands or concepts in the scripture is being repeated. It means that we must take note and place certain importance on that matter. In this particular text, Paul said, clearly said, Rejoice! Ulitin ko, rejoice! Why is that so? You know, in our, in our frailty, 
in, because there is a tendency for us to forget or even neglect to rejoice in the Lord. In our human frailty, our rejoicing is always dependent on our circumstances. The things are perfectly alright. We fail to recognize God's goodness. When things are going tough, it sometimes is so hard to rejoice and express our adoration and our worship to the Lord. But Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. What it means is that every, what it, it does not mean sometimes, but what it means is that every time and all the time. Paul himself exemplified a person that rejoiced in the Lord always. In a moment of success, in deliverance, in receiving good news, he rejoiced. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. He says here, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. And then chapter 4, verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. He was rejoicing in things that's happening. In verse 1, he was rejoicing, even though people are preaching with selfish ambition, he was rejoicing because the message of God are being preached. In verse 4, he says he's rejoicing because they remember him and he just wants to rejoice greatly for the support that they receive. But at the same time, Paul also rejoiced in spite of his suffering. He was in prison for several years, years, yet he rejoiced. And he was even sentenced. He don't even know if he would be sentenced to that. Yet he rejoiced. Look at Philippians chapter 2. He says, Even if I am be poured out as a drinking offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Wow. You see the extreme aspect of his life. In a moment of success, he rejoiced. In a moment of suffering, he rejoiced. Paul shows us how to live a life of rejoicing in all situations. His rejoicing is secured and unmoved by the circumstances that he was facing. And the reason why he can rejoice at all times is because the object and the source of his rejoicing is found in someone who's unchanging. He found it in the Lord. That's why Paul redirects us to rejoice in the Lord. We often miss the word in the Lord. We many times we rejoice, we focus in the word rejoice, and when we focus in the word rejoice, we simply associate it with melody singing and dancing. We focus more in the expression rather than having an inner acknowledgement of who God is in our life. Do you know when Paul started the Philippian church, they were successful and then suddenly they, they, were, they were thrown in prison. You can read that in Acts 16. But while they were in prison, while they were in prison, they responded in rejoicing. I read in Acts 16, verse 25, we read here, At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymn to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I believe it's not how loud they were singing, but why they were singing that matters most. They were singing and rejoicing in the Lord because their heart and mind are fixed to their God. 
You know, our expression of rejoicing will manifest when we found joy in God alone. You know, sometimes when we, we always calculate things, when we are going to hardship, our focus on that, and we miss what we really have, that we really have a Savior, that we really have that relation, we already have that relationship with the Lord, and that He holds us in our hand, that He is a promise keeper, that His presence is with us, that we ha- He is our treasure. When we understand why we are rejoicing, why, who is, who is the focus of our rejoicing, then we'll be able to rejoice in the Lord always. To rejoice in the Lord always. You know, sometimes it's tough. That's why Paul said, when David wrote, Do not be downcast, O my soul. Put your hope in the Lord. He remember who God is. That He has more than enough. That this is the greatest thing to be in God's presence. That He is secured in, the Lord, in God's love. Therefore, He rejoiced in the Lord in spite of the things that's happening in him. First thing we need to remember, rejoice in the Lord. The second thing that Paul commands us to do, encourage us to do is this. Announce, proclaim your redeemed life. In a Roman city like the Philippians, as I mentioned earlier, majority of the members were Gentiles. And at times, they were treated as traitors and criminals because of their allegiance to Jesus. They were persecuted and treated badly. And you know, they can respond in anger, frustration, and even respond with isolation and bitterness. They can do that. And as a church, they face internal problems. They were inner fighting and disagreement. Some are teaching out of rivalry and self-motives. There's disunity. But you know what Paul what Paul encouraged them to do? He said this in verse 5, he says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. I like NASB translation, how it is translated. It says here, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men, not just in the church. Not just in your family, but to all men. Those who persecute you, let your gentleness be seen. Those who hate you, let your gentleness be seen. You know, the word gentle spirit is an expression of balance, intelligent, decent outlook, which is in contrast to harshness, feats of anger or brutality. A gentle spirit represents a character traits of a noble-minded that is wise enough to remain meek in the face of insult and hardship. You know, in our life, the source of frustration and anxiety comes from many directions. And if we are not careful, we can explode and hurt ourselves and hurt the people around us. We might miss opportunity to show others who Jesus is in our life. To announce to them that we are unique, peculiar people because we have been redeemed by Jesus. And that we have Jesus in our life. You know, our response to trials and insult will be visible to our people around us. It will be visible at home, 
at work, in church, and even our Facebook posting. Malalaman yan kung ano ang nasa naman. Are you proclaiming God? Or you just showing your, your non-gentle spirit? Yes, we all have different temperament. But what Paul is reminding us today, what the Word of God reminding us today, in the midst of distress, may our life bring glory and honor to God. Always by showing gentle spirit. When I say gentle spirit, I'm not saying when pagina abuse ka na or you've been mistreated, you just just keep quiet. No, there are times that you need to rise up and you still to be gentle and you need to be firm in the moments that you are being 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 mistreated. But you can still show that love and gentle spirit. I remember an important advice that I have received from when I was young. My dad oh, remind me when I was younger. He said, "Don't ever react out of compulsion." Even and, and as I grow, I have surrounded with mentors, and and they would say to me, "You know, Ruel, don't react or make decision when you're emotionally driven or mentally not in your right mind, or else you're gonna make a lot of mistake. When you're angry, don't speak, or else you're gonna hurt people. You know, we must always act with composure." With gentle spirit, that we may honor God with our life, presenting who God is. I like this quote that I found online. It says, "It says here by William Thorms: Be careful how you live. You will only, you will be the only Bible some people ever read. You know, we can quote verses and so on, but sometimes people watch our life more." And then another quote, he says here, he said, Live in a such a way that people who know you but don't know Christ will want to know Christ because of you. People watch your life when you are going through hardship. They can see your gentle spirit responding in prayer, not in anger. You know, people are drawn to that. The world is so much uh, of, of, of anger and bitterness nowadays. And you know what? As people of God, we can show them the way by living a life like Christ-like. And this third one that I saw that will really hit my heart, it says here, you can preach a better sermon with your life than with your lips. Ayan, patama sa mga leader yan. Nag-lider-lider-lideran, no? Ayan. You can preach a better sermon with your life than with your lips. We always forget this. When I was in the Philippines last March, I was emotionally down. I have shared a few times about this. I was desperate because nothing is happening to my mom. Her condition is not getting better. And I was desperate, emotionally down. And also there's certain decision that's being delayed by the doctors in even our side. May mga, mga kailangan asikasuhin na delay. And during that moment where I'm emotionally down, desperate, suddenly the Philippine government, he said, because of the COVID-19, he said, all the foreigners or all those working abroad, kailangan mong lumipad within 72 hours or else you'll be locked down in Manila. Ako, sabi ko naman, ang hirap nito. 72 hours, pinapaalis na kami para bumalik and then I'm stuck in the hospital, down, and I, I, I was confused. And then I started to check online. 
sabi 72 hours, and I check online yung mga flight naman, kinakancel. I was, I was frustrated at the time. My brother want me to stay. But I also need to go back to, this, to Singapore to be with my family because of uh, there's so much uncertainty in COVID-19. I was frustrated to the point that, you know what happened? I and my brother quarrel. Whenever we seldom quarrel, but masarap pala paminsan may konting drama. Nagsigawan kami. Papunta kami bibili ng pagkain sa mini-stop. We were shouting, bakit ganito? I was, I, was, I was bursting in anger. Sabi ko, I want to go back to Singapore. But, you know, he said like this, like this, and so on. And so much things. I was not in my mind. I was so frustrated. You know, I was reacting. I was reacting to the situation that I, I was not responding to what God wants me to do to that particular moment. I realized as I pray and, and somebody spoke to me, a, a family member, you know, I need to stay because my brother need a kuya and my father need a son. I can be a pastor, but sometimes, you know, our lives, our preaching, our lives speak more than our words that we say. I have to discern that the reason why I'm there is frustrating. I have to be there so that I can minister to them so that God's healing can flow through us as family. I was reminded by this. In a moment of frustration, let your light shine. In a moment of darkness, when everything is getting dark, may you be like a star that shines brightly. So the people be attracted. And then you say, you know why I'm shining brightly? Because Jesus is in my heart. One thing I learned from this text is this, the secret of being gentle spirit is knowing the Lord is at hand. The Lord is there. And because of that, knowing that God is, God's presence is with us, we can respond in gentle spirit. And people will see Christ in our life. First, rejoice in the Lord. Second, announce and proclaim your redeemed life. Lastly, Paul said, pray in everything. In verse 6 to 7, he says here, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. You see, anxiety and worries can easily consume and overcome our hearts and our mind. And Paul was reminding us to respond with supplication and with thanksgiving. Paul called us to pray in everything, not only in bad circumstances, but in every moment we should come to the Lord. Also, He's reminding us not to just come to the Lord with the list of prayer requests, but also to have a grateful heart, knowing that He will answer our prayer according to His will and His righteous purpose. Many times the causes of our anxiety as a Christian is because of our pride, because of our doubt, because of our, relation, our shallow relationship with the Lord. Let me show you. 
Many times the reason why we have anxiety as God's people is because we are, pri- we are proud, we have doubt, and we have that superficial relationship with God. But when we pray, this is what will happen. It changes. Instead of pride, we become humble. Instead of doubt, we begin to trust. As we pray to the Lord, instead of just a superficial relationship, we have a deeper intimacy with Him. You know, humility. Because of pride, while we have anxiety because of our pride, we want to be in control of situation and, now, and even our life. And there are certain anticipation of what future should look like for us. Dapat ito ang buhay ko. I said, I'm not saying that now you shouldn't dream, you shouldn't desire. But at that time, there are moments that you should have to give it to the Lord. This is my plan. May you just have your way. May your will be done. So if you are so proud and you, are, you want to control situation, therefore you have so much anxiety because you want to control everything that's in your life. But you know, each time we pray to God, we recognize our limitation and acknowledge our total dependency in Him. You know, a man cannot think beyond his understanding. A man cannot see beyond his sight. A man cannot act beyond his capacity. This would remind us that we are simply human with so much limitation. Therefore, it should humble us. We should not be proud. We should have that humility to come to the Lord and remember that His thoughts is not our thoughts. His ways is not our ways. It's higher. Trust. Without God, because we want to figure out everything firsthand before we trust Him. You know, when Jesus was teaching the disciples, He was preparing them for ministry. And He was telling them how to trust God. And we can read it in Matthew 6, 25 to 24, when He says in Matthew 6, He says here, Therefore, do not be anxious about anything. What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Trusting God. Yes, we will worry. But there are times that you just say, Lord, I might not understand all things, but I trust you, you will provide. At times, I doubt you, Lord. Teach me to trust you. And the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, the things is all our, what we need. God, the Father, knows all we need. And He will give it to us according to His will. You know, oftentimes, this text is used for full-time ministry, but the application of it is not just for people who are going as a pastor or missionary, but it applies to all of us. To seek first the kingdom is to put Him first in His priority in our life, to, 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 in His righteousness, to live according to His will, to live a holy life. And it applies to all of us. As we seek God, trust Him. Remember this quote, we don't need to have it all figured out in order to trust God. In a moment like ours today, we want everything laid down. 
But you know, the more we walk in faith, the more we trust and obey God, the more you go deeper in the Lord, the more you're not singing, seeking an explanation, but you're just simply following the voice of our shepherd. The more we pray, our doubt subside. All the more we trust Him. Intimacy. You know, the most important aspect of prayer is not just getting an answer of, for our prayer, but the cultivation of relationship with Him. You know, in our, in our culture today, we're transaction. We are so transactional. At times, we miss out what is important. We make relationship because we want to get something. We go to this care group or church because we can get something. It's transactional. But you know, we miss out the relationship part. And sometimes we bring that relation, attitude towards the way we treat God. We fail that it's not just the answer what's important, but the communication, the deeper intimacy we have with God is, is much more valuable. Do you know God created you for Himself? He redeemed you for Himself? For the, the point is this. Prayer should always be motivated of knowing Him and falling in love with Him than the answer that we receive. I like this. Um, there's one particular psalm that we would always read. Psalms 27 verse 4. You always read this. One thing I ask, O Lord, that I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. You know, if you read the context of this, he was being persecuted. He was pursued by the enemies. He had parting ways with his mother and father. And he was subjected to slander. But even though his prayer, he said, in prayer niya, Lord, kahit ganito ang dinadaanan ka, all the more, Lord, I want to seek you. I want to be found in your presence. There are times, brother and sister, when we are in prison, take time to pause. Not rush. When we have unrushed and undivided time with the Lord, God will speak to us in a still small voice. And we experience His manifest presence, His fullness of joy, and His great love will manifest in our life. Sometimes we cannot explain it. And all the more we spend time seeking His will and seeking Him, His Word is more alive as if He's speaking to us directly. You know, brother and sister, the more we pray, it's not just be, we develop humility and trust. But the important thing is that the deeper intimacy with God. And because of the humility and trust and intimacy, it will result in peace. It says in verse 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, the peace of God will surpass all understanding. We guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. A person who's proud will never have peace. A person who has doubt will never have peace. A person who don't know the creator of heaven and earth will have no peace. But when you have the humility and trust and closeness because the Father is holding your hand, then you will have peace. You know, brother and sister, peace can never be produced by ourselves. Peace can never be found in this world. It can be only received from the, from the Prince 
of peace. Our Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ. As we receive God's peace, it will guard our heart. It will guard our mind in Christ. As a summary, I don't know and I can't promise when you will escape the prison that you are encountering today. But never ever stop. It should never stop us from rapping. It should not stop us from rejoicing in the Lord. It should never stop us from announcing and proclaiming who God is in our life. It should never stop us from praying in everything, in every season. Always remember, even if you are in prison, with the challenges that you have faced, you can always rap. To conclude, I would like to focus in one particular praise that would connect everything. And the praise is this in our text. The Lord is near or the Lord is in hell. You know, knowing God is near will give us joy. Therefore, we can rejoice. Knowing God is near in time of hardship and suffering, we'll be able to respond with gentleness and gentle spirit. Knowing the Lord is near, all the more we have peace in our heart. Knowing that His presence is there, it changes everything. In the scripture, people are in prison. Daniel in prison. His friends were thrown in the burning furnace. Joseph was in prison and now Paul was in prison. Yet they know that God is with them. God is with them. A few weeks ago, one of a prominent Christian apologist, Ravi Shakaraya, had passed away. And God used his life to defend the Christian faith and help many people to find Christ. Yet a few months back, he had an incurable cancer that no doctor can help. And probably that was his prison that he cannot break free. But in the last few weeks of his life, this one quote that was published in his Facebook before he passed away, he says here, Through the process of suffering, you realize how finite you are and how desperately you need the very presence of God to carry you through. When we know God's presence is with us in a time of suffering, we have joy, we have joy, and now we can rejoice. We have the gentleness in us because the Lord is near, we can respond in gentleness. And because we have peace, brother and sister, the Lord is with us. And may we always remember that. Remember to rejoice in the Lord. Acknowledge and announce who God is at the same time. Pray and God peace that surpass all understanding with God, our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this afternoon that as we look upon your word, Many of us are imprisoned by the challenges and circumstances that we are facing. But we know, Lord, it is you that will work in our life. 
Grant us that joy that we may rejoice. Grant us that gentleness in the spirit, the fruit, the gentleness, so that we will respond in gentle spirit. And grant us that peace as we pray and offer our life to you in humility, in trust, in deeper intimacy. Salamat po, Panginoon, O Lord. May you be lifted up always. Brothers and sisters, I would like all of us to just worship Him as before we pray and receive the benediction. Let's sing this song. Nothing in this world can satisfy me. Jesus, you alone can fill me up. I could gain this world in all its treasure. And all these things will never be enough. It is your love. It is your goodness. kindness and compassion that fills me up inside. It is your grace, your tender mercies. It is your presence in my life that satisfies. It is your love. It is your love. It is your kindness and compassion that fills me up inside. It is your grace, your tender mercies. It is your presence in my life that satisfies. Lord, we know that you are near that your presence will always be with us. And we thank you for this assurance. We thank you, Lord, at the times that we are struggling, we can still rejoice because our rejoices, our rejoicing is focused in you. That we can use every opportunity, Lord, to declare who you are. At the same time, Lord, as we pray each day, may your peace, Lord, Guard our heart and mind always. Salamat po, Panginoon. Let's just receive the benediction. May the peace of God, which surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Lord, as we face this brand new week, may you be with us, O Lord. Empower us with your Spirit. And may your word, Lord, each day speak to us. We bring, bring you glory and honor. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Brothers and sisters, thank you for joining us in our Sunday worship service. And I'm excited. And as time will come, we'll be back here worshiping together. But in the meantime, we would like to invite you again next week to worship the Lord with us at the same time. Join us in our online prayer this coming Wednesday at 9 p.m. God bless everyone. See you soon.